welcome <laughs> to the Shrewsbury Biscuit Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Alex Whiteley, and this is <laughs> you join us uh, in the middle of our uh, open studio sessions today. Um, uh, try, I'm, I'm nailing it though. I'm, I'm doing it. Uh, yeah. you know how hard it is to not say what I usually say at the beginning of an episode. What's up, guys? Uh, <laughs> Tom, I'm trying to uh, find uh, unique and different ways to introduce myself to the show. I, ha- I have this kind of uh, that, that that's the perfect uh, word that's noise to represent what happens when I introduce it. <laughs> anyway, Shane, uh, you okay? You good? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I just had something to eat. Sucks to be you. Um, so, I, I don't know why I did this. I thought let's just do a show, one after the other, hour after hour after hour after hour. I haven't. I this this vimp to I'm having to ration me because yeah yeah but anyway uh joining us uh today is uh is uh is tom perrin from last time last the last open studios uh that you did was amazing uh mm. from uh shrewsbury town fish yeah, he's, he's with gary dog wasn't he the bailiff yeah yeah mm. yeah i do i have multiple roles in this world <laughs> absolutely and we're here today to talk about um a very uh I, this, I think, me and Tom were talking about this, and we wanted to sort of pay homage to, uh, to obviously to, to Tim yeah. King, um, mm. uh, f- for for organising with with of course the mayor Phil Gillum for organising uh, the the Beatles weekend that they did. Um, but you're a massive Beatles fan, right? Is "fan" the right word for it, Tom? Well, look in the background. Yeah, I, obviously, I my my first band that I got into was like Nirvana, yeah. mm. and then I sort of progressed into the Beatles more. And I like a lot of the history associated with the Beatles quite a bit, and especially with our town. Yeah. I thought it was absolutely fascinating to have these like icons, you know, music icons and cultural icons that just visited our town and the massive connection they've got with their first number one hit. Mm. Mm. Yeah. That's how I thought it. And I was, doing, I was doing my master's degree. I got a first in fine art, and I did my master's, my postgraduate in art practice. And I ended up researching on famous people that have been to sort of mundane spaces, everyday spaces that you would never imagine that they had been to. And so I focused on the Beatles coming to Shrewsbury and where they went, where they stayed, you know, their dressing rooms and all that. And it was quite fascinating what I found mm. out. That's how it all started, really, with the history. And I think it really does need to be documented. Yeah. Because yeah. of COVID, I wanted to do an exhibition at some point in the next few years, which I've spoken to Phil about briefly, bits here and there. Because of the COVID, it's sort of shelved, and I thought it would be a good opportunity to come on the podcast and mm-hmm. say something on here, really. Absolutely. Yeah, because I mean, that, that's one of the things that they like to try to illustrate during the Beatles weekend is that, mm. you know, uh, the Beatles played here a couple of times. They've, they've got a legacy here, you know? So it was yeah. like. To say they played twice the musical, which is now obviously the Shrewsbury Museum and Art Gallery, and they played the Grenade, which is obviously the, the bit well, it's the a bigger hall, wasn't it? Yeah, it's not the railway station. They played there, the set they they played there wedged in between the Muse two musical gigs, and it was on their way to the Grenade mm. from they were coming from York with Helen Soprano that they actually wrote their first number one, and mm. when they arrived, oh. and then when they arrived in the morning. I think George Harrison and Ringo must have trotted off into town like the Rolling Stones did once. And um, I could go on about that as well. Uh, yeah. but when they came to Shrewsbury that time, I think it was, it was Paul and John. Yeah. Stayed on the stage 
and, and carried on doing all the melodies uh, for the actual music of the song. But the rest right. of the there was nobody about. So you imagine now there's a bingo caller up there, I don't know if he is, or it's a machine. Yeah. Was where, you know, Lennon McCartney composed their first number one hit. Good God. From, which was uh, From Me To You. Oh, right. They composed I didn't know, it. I didn't know that. So I've learned yeah. that. <laughs> John Lennon said it himself in the anthology series in the 90s. He actually, they put snippets, obviously, he's long passed away 15 years after he passed away. Yeah, said uh, how they wrote on the way to Shrewsbury, so he nailed it himself. But there's wow. all like very interesting anecdote. Like someone said that they had had a drink in the Free Fishes. Mm. Uh, don't know how true that is because obviously when I was doing my project, I got talking to all different people around town. There's so many people, you know, it's hard to remember names, and and it was basically piecing it all together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite fascinating, like. Um, Obviously, the second time they came here, uh, they came on the coach. Yeah. Third time, uh, they were outside. Fat face, the play. Yeah. They came fat face. They were both outside. They were all outside there, both in two cars. Mm. And they shouted a passerby who they had met, which is now the exhibition space. And the, they have the exhibitions in the musical. Right. So obviously, I bought the music on it. It's the Shoesby Museum and Art Gallery. Mm. Well, that used to be a bar. And during the interval, that a young lad was there, and they'd walked in the four of them, and they had black currants and rum, and he got talking to them. And then they went, and then after they did the concert, they were waiting in the two cars in the square. And John Lennon shouted, "You know, how do we get to Market Drayton?" And he showed them. They drove round and drove. Obviously, back then Pride Hill wasn't pedestrianised now. They just yeah. drove up and they went. And the oh, first right. time round, if I presume it'd be the first gig. Uh, they stayed at Underdale Road. There's a house there, backs onto the island, down from Sydney Avenue. There's like a legendary story that they edged their names into the trees, two of them. I think it was George and Ringo. So right. it's quite interesting story. Hmm. Have you found that yet? Have you found the tree? I've never asked permission, and I haven't gone over on a dinghy. <laughs> <laughs> we'll look into it at some point. Uh, I could just imagine that. Mm. Uh, what are you no, doing in my grounds? I'm looking for Ringo Starr. <laughs> with a chainsaw. <laughs> yeah. That would be amazing. Um, yeah, I know. Yeah, so, I mean, like, what's the fascination for you with the Beatles? What drives you to him? I mean, I, the, the leap from Nirvana to Beatles. You, I, I usually say that's the other way around, isn't it, Beatles yeah, to Nirvana? Yeah, I would have said know? that was the other way around. It's interesting yeah. that you, gone, you went that way. Because obviously the Beatles influenced Kirk Cobain, which is interesting. Um, I don't know. I just find it fascinating history. It's, it's like cultural history. I find it fascinating. Obviously, mm. I collect memorabilia anyway as a hobby, uh, but I just find it interesting. I suppose having degrees in art and academia, I think it all yeah. pieces together. And I think in a way, I just find it fascinating. I suppose, to be fair, the, the Beatles have got uh, a, a big story. I mean, bigger than some of the other um, bands and and uh, and singers and stuff that are around, even from that era. Um, but I don't even think that that's necessarily to do with their fame. I think that that's probably just because they have just generally got a very interesting story, you know, right, right from the ground up. And I suppose for you having an interest in history and in art and stuff like that, um, they just literally fall straight into that category, don't they? You want to be proud of it as well because it's your hometown. Mm. You want to have that document, you know, and obviously I don't mean it in a, in a, in a horrible way, but you meet so many people that saw them live in Shrewsbury, or a lot of them are passing away. 
yeah. you know, time goes yeah. by and a lot. It's, it's, it's keeping that document as well. Mm. You know, cause like I was heard recently, I can't think of his name now. Um, I think I spoke to him a couple of times in the past on some of the like Facebook groups who passed away and he had uh, a connection with them. And I think he was backstage with them right. at one point and he's got, he took photographs of my belief. I don't know if I'm, I'm right. And he's long passed away, and that would have been someone brilliant to have spoken to. Yeah, of course. I'm a massive fan of that. I mean, as I've spoken to you before on several other episodes, um, one of the things I want to do is memoirs of a Slopian. So it's talking to just the everyday person, you know, old George that lives down the road kind of thing, who has been in Shrewsbury his entire life and has seen like a huge transformation from start to start to current day, you know. And they've, he's seen people, he's, he's got history, he's got memories and stuff that we are never going to know about, you know, yeah. unless we get it on a podcast and you know get it recorded and get it documented and that's what that's where all the whole of that is is geared towards is trying to get that those memories that that information that data mm. on a, on recorded and documented so at least it's somewhere you know and it'll be there forever then um so yeah you're right i mean I, i'm a massive advocate for that and um and yeah fair play to you for for chasing that and to and for following that line and, and looking into it as in depth as what you have been you know um yeah, because we all, we all know what it's like to be part of a fan base, right? Mm. Um, and there's no fan base bigger than the Beatles. I mean, but at the same at the same time, I, mean, I know there are there are there are, there are young people like us, and there are probably younger people than than us that enjoy the Beatles. And then you've got the older generation, which is just like the biggest the biggest chunk of that fan base. Um, but like you said, uh, unfortunately, time changes, time moves on. And eventually we're going to be stuck with flipping Miley Cyrus and Justin Bieber. And I, I'd hope I'd hope for the, the influences of people like Kurt Cobain and like the Beatles uh, and, and like, you know, some of the most amazing writers out there that can kind of carry on, you know, because um, I'd hate for that legacy to be forgotten. You know? Yeah, I don't like want my kids role models to be Jedward. Oh, no. No. <laughs> I remember oh, about five years ago, I was on a holiday in Dunoon in Scotland. hope I pronounced it right. And um, there was a chap who lives out at Oxford Street. And his, his wife had Alzheimer's. And he mentioned something to somebody that uh, he, he knew the Beatles. He actually yeah. knew them. So I got talking to him, and it turned out he'd actually went to school with John Lennon. All right, and, and Jimmy Tarbuck, and what was even more interesting was he actually had the photograph to prove it, and it's that, f- that picture of them on uh, school holiday in the beach, right? And he, he was actually in the picture; you could see him, mm. and it was so surreal to, to talk to him, and he, and the way he said, "Oh yeah, John, Paul, yeah. Ringo, George," because he knew them, mm. and he was part of that sort of circle, and his wife. Uh, bless her. She used to work in the big liver building in Liverpool, and every lunchtime she used to go and dance for the Beatles at the cavern, and yeah. then come back. And he was uh, a painter and decorator, and uh, he actually decorated Brian Epstein, who was their manager, his first proper office. And like I wow. came talking to him, and I said, "What you know? Who?" And he said, "He said the best out of all of them is George Harrison." And his wife had Alzheimer's and she was like struggling to remember. And even she would say, oh, George Harrison was the best out before mm. and all this. But it was just so surreal. And, and one of his biggest things was, like what you were just saying before, was why can't you get your own culture? Why do mm. you young ones have to listen to our generation? Why aren't you inventing your own, like we did? 
because that was a big thing the 1950s after the Second World War. The culture yeah. of the Beatles were originally quarrymen. They were a scuffle group. Mm. They had they were, obviously you didn't have the communication like you did now with the internet. So it was all drop fed across the pond of like Buddy Holly, Elvis, and all that. And it was all sort mm. of dripping in very slowly, but they kept chipping away and chipping away. And, you know, people yeah. do sell, you know, they were a bit of like the first pop band, you know, the first boy, which in a sense, yeah, there was a manufacturing. However, they, they did start off quite a few years before fame. Yeah. And under a lot of different names and a lot of different lineups. So, oh, yeah, of course. I mean, that, that, that's the same, especially back then when, you know, the things like the internet wasn't a thing. They had to start, you know, playing in pubs and, and, you know, a lot of trial and error, a lot of trying. There's a lot of graft that goes behind a lot of this, a lot of this fame that a lot of these singers have. Struggles, a, lot, a lot of it's like, uh, we look at Ed Sheeran, for example, like, you know, in sort of oh, today's yeah. comparison. And Ed Sheeran started off literally on the street doing it for pennies, you know, like, and now look at him. You know, like, he's, he's built his way up and he's grafted, you know? I think I think one, like... of, one of my best examples was Damon Goff. Um, uh, do you know who he is? Backstreet, uh, uh, Bad Drawn Boy. Bad yeah, Boy. yeah, 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 yeah. Facto, facto. Oh God! Uh, <laughs> uh, no, because he he was a busker. He was a busker who became big. Um, uh, and he was massive. In fact, at one point, he was like one of the biggest song singer songwriters on the planet. But he would go back and busk, he, even though he's like world famous. He was like he was a lister at one point, and he'd still be seen busking on the streets. And that's just beautiful because it's about the music. Rick Ashley was like a, a cleaner or something <laughs> in a, a recording studio, and they heard him singing to himself in the corridor. And then they hailed him in. Then he then he rejected Faye. Mm. He brought up in that, and he suddenly sort of come back now. For obviously, if I think for the money, dare I say it? Well, mm. more for Dave Grohl. If Dave Grohl invited me on stage, I'd say yes, please. <laughs> you, you know. Funny enough, I had a friend who met him long, long time ago. <coughs> I love Dave Grohl. He's my hero. Absolute hero. And it's all about the music, right? Because um, when, when when you start to take that away from a band or from, a, from, you know, that's the identity, right? And when you talk about the cavern, like the cavern oozes that. It drips from the walls, literally. You can see it because with every single brick is written. You've got a, a signature on every single brick, like, you know. It's, it's the, the cavern is partly built on the original. And I always think, oh, this is an original. It's actually like a copy. Mm, yeah. oh, right. something to do with the plumbing I've heard something to do with the plumbing the, the, the original was knocked down in the early 1970s I didn't know and that they, yeah, they, if you, where you go to the cavern now you've got the entrance Yeah, you go just a little bit down it's got this it's a little shot it's a little placard and it's of a bloke it's an original photograph and they print it up and there's a picture of a bloke like the original bouncer on the door who was there it's the original entrance and they put a photograph on a board showing you this it's literally like not even a stone throw from the entrance there was mark oh. hamill went there the other year and had his picture there mark hamill yeah he paid his homage to the cavern you can't beat that i've been there i've been there a couple of times i've been to the cavern pub and there's a cavern club there's there's the two the one opposite. It's, it's, it, i think what even though it's on it's it is based the caverns it's still on the part of the old site even though it's a whole new build it's a built mm. like a replica but you, like you said it's got all the ooze in there yeah, I mean, I went, I, went, I went there once, um, and it was before. This was years ago, and the Zootons were playing before they were big. 
You know, that's what that's what it does. That's what happens. You know, but you get the house bands that will play at the cavern will go on to do amazing things. And it's that's that's what happens, is it, it's in the walls, it's a dripping yeah. in the ceiling. And that's why people like Mark Hamill, like some of the big A-listers, go there and sign a brick. If you go into yeah. the cavern, there's signatures everywhere where celebrities have been, and you'll see Halle Berry, you'll see Mark Hamill, you'll see Pierce Brosnan, you'll see all these amazing people that have just been there and enjoyed themselves. And uh, it's it's one of the uh, I think the closest thing we've got to it in Wrexham is uh, sorry. Why is it Wrexham? Well, that's weird. In Shrewsbury is the butter market. You know, you got yeah. that the basement bit in the butter market. Yeah, um, that, that very much resembles the uh, the cabin. Now, when it comes to the, uh, the the Beatles weekend that um, the mayor was putting together, and with the late great uh, Tim King, um, was it something you found, or did they find you? Because uh, obviously you're, you're a big fan. Um, you know, I was find we the that we were put together, and I remember meeting Tim and Phil at the peach tree mm-hmm. and we sat down and had a little talk because obviously they, they were deep into it then and they said would you like to have an input so I brought in I don't know if you can remember I remember meeting you both that night yeah yeah the opening uh, night. At the theater seven I put brought a lot of memorabilia in and mm. Tim had his memorabilia he had all his book he had a brilliant book collection and vinyl collection and he had them and uh it was all put put there as one, and I put all my stuff. I was talking to different people. I was talking to the film director of Looking for Lennon, and mm. I showed him my sketch pad. I haven't got it to hand. I should have brought it along uh, with all my research in. And it was, there's two of them, and the main one's like this thick. Mm. And it's the whole journey through drawings, maps, pictures, Facebook screenshot clippings of comments, all building up the history and me learning all about the Beatles in Shrewsbury. Mm. And he wanted me to say, why don't you make a film? So that's another thing that's in the back, obviously with the arts degrees and all that and the history and the exhibitions. That's one thing I've got in the back of my mind. Do it. Absolutely uh, do it. Yeah, it should be done really. What, <laughs> what do you think uh, the, the the Beatles will look like in, you know, when we were in our fifties and the sixties, do you reckon there'll be, there'll be paid as like, almost musical gods you know like would, yeah. would, they, would they be classed as vintage vintage bands by that point do you know what I mean like proper vintage I think now nah, I think for a lot of youngsters say they like the Beatles memorabilia is going up and up and up and up and up they're like number one you know collectors you know investment of money is Beatles anything Beatles is untouchable mm. um, so that's interesting uh, I don't know really. I think it, it'll depend how they put the music across and how it's presented to youngsters. Because a lot of youngsters love the Beatles, the melodies, and they because they are like basic, like catchy songs. Yeah, but you do get like I know grassroots have a different meaning, but like I usually I see like um, a lot of the sort of iconic pinnacle bands as as almost like grassroots because they're the, they're the start of it because you even find that like even like some country singers and stuff like that you know like Johnny Cash and stuff you know that kind of stuff are the ones that influence you know things like rock stars and things like that yeah. and, it, and it grows from that um so you've got like Johnny Cash Beatles but you've also got things like you know um even like the rock and roll stuff like Elvis you know all these sort of people Liam Michael Gallagher. Jackson and things like that mm-hmm. all these people are literally like the the basic core you know the the literally the grassroots of of the music industry, and that's even goes through to R and B and like you know reggae and all sorts of all the different beats. They're the, literally the, the the very they're the seeds, you know. Like I, right. 
Go on, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I remember when you just said that, I was looking on YouTube this morning, I was listening to some hip-hop, mm. and uh, you get different videos that come out, and they reckon they can relate hip-hop back to the 50s. Yeah. And they can relate yeah. back to the 1940s. And yeah. I was watching these old black and white videos, and they were just fascinating. Yeah, there, there was... I, I can't remember... I can't remember who it was. It was somebody I was watching a bit of an interview with. It was like something like Nelly or like 50 Cent or somebody like that. Uh, I can't remember. And they said, no, they're like, oh, what did you listen to when you were younger? And he goes, I grew up listening to Elvis. Yeah. There's and a like, great, there is a great. I was great, like, um... what? <laughs> it's mental just thinking of 50 Cent sitting there, like, you know, just vibing out to, to Elvis. Like, you know. <laughs> it was like Kurt Cobain. They were like, who, who's one of your biggest heroes? You said Lead Belly. Lead Belly. And it's like, because he was, he was, he was from like a different, way different era. Yeah. He was a blues guitarist. And it's like, because he, he was, he was, I, 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 I'd have to look at the time. He was like, before, yeah, he was like 1920s. Right. 19, and there's like not even very, there's not even proper recordings of him. Mm. There's only little snippets and, you know, and stuff like him performing and record. But it's all like, even the sound system you listen to, it's like real strawberry. Tinny and like, yeah, yeah. Just like unreal for someone like that to say, you know, oh, this was my influence. This is where, you mm. know, because obviously Beatles were a big influence on Kurt Cobain. Yeah. But it was interesting you said before about grassroots because you you had someone like Dave Grohl, mm. who would, you know, when Kurt Cobain died, the height of their fame, you know, one of the biggest rock bands on the planet. And you know, you're like, I'm going to set up my own band because Dave Grohl had been doing, you know, probably been other bands before Nirvana. Yeah. underground bands and um, the 80s and he was offered all these big record deals you know it's like this is mm. the drummer of Nirvana you know and he turned them all down and he went for a little small indie label yeah. and he regrew it again the whole new bands instead of jumping you know you get a lot of artists that do that and they yeah, have the laundry room the laundry room or something like that it's called he did the laundry room I think was it the pocket watch demos 92 I think it's because he recorded the first album behind the lawn in a studio behind the laundrette or something. It's called the laundry room. The laundry rooms is because uh, I think Nirvana did sessions there as well. And I think he did a session. I think they had a break in 1992 and he did. The, it's called the pocket watch demo. It's called late the pocket when some of them are very early and like Marigold was, a, I think, a B side of heart shaped box of mm. Nirvana. That was Dave Grohl. Then it's very slowly starting to become very sort of his own person his own project so i do i do believe like the the, the likes of, of mccartney and lennon uh dave grohl uh Noel gallagher uh they, 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 if you look at these things every every sort of 10 years or so there will be something spewed out that will just be special special and i'm not even going to include people like like because you People got to understand with the music industry, when it comes to people like Rihanna and Beyonce, these things are so badly manufactured. I think, was it um, um, All the Single Ladies is written by, written by like 40, 40, 50 different people. There's a million different writers that wrote that song. And it's literally All the Single Ladies, All the Single Ladies, All the Single And it's like, okay, like over a dozen people wrote this song. Fantastic. Yeah. Then you get people like Lennon, Grohl, Cobain, the, these amazing diamonds in the rough that will just go and write like these amazing lyrics. Yeah, just like that, bam, you know? Yeah. Um, and we don't, we don't, we're not really seeing that at the moment. We're not really seeing that at the moment. I'm, 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 I was talking with, um, on, on What's the Difference, we had a guy called Darren Miller. If you have uh, if you know CKYR um, from the 90s, they, they were the precursor to Jackass, uh, the Jackass and CKY games. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, we had Darren Miller, who's the front man, who used to be the front man for CKY. He's now got uh, 96 uh, bitter beings now. Um, this is a band. Anyway, we were talking about new bands and trying to find new music. Now, YouTube, uh, I use YouTube music. Some people use Spotify. Some people use iTunes. Well, there's this new thing now. Well, it's not new, but there's this thing I've, I've recently started using where they will find bands that are similar that I will like and they'll mix it in with what I'm already listening to. Uh, and it's like, at first I was kind of like, nah, this is terrible. But I've already found three new bands that I really like because I've been doing that. Because I always find it hard to move away from my eternal playlist, which is why. Yeah. I, you know, you have, it's like, well, I remember you always like with me. I was, when they came out, I thought they were brilliant. Biffy Cairo. I, I love Biffy Cairo, yeah. I just can't. I don't know. I just, no, nah, don't do anything for me. It's like mm. they switched off. I don't know what, it's just me, my taste, but. Who was that I heard recently uh, and I really, really like? Kenny Hoffler, is it? Uh, no idea. This is the thing. Um, but there's there's two new bands I found recently. One of them is called Bad Flower, which are just they're just making a bit of noise now, Bad Flower. Um, and his, it's mainly because his music's so vulnerable and so naked and he sings about mental health and the problems and it was very, very just like he doesn't care. Like he will sing about it. And another one is uh, highly suspect. Um, I've I've started listening to, and the, 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 like the the emotion that goes for me when I hear something like, uh, "My hello, my name is human. My name is human." I think it's called. And it's hello, my name is human. Like when I hear that, when I heard that song for the first time, I'm literally stopped what I was doing the hairs upon the back of my neck I nearly dropped what I was carrying it's one of those out of body experiences for me uh, and you know are there okay other bands for you that you found that you I, I mean I can always name every single song that's done that to me in my life have you got songs like that examples I'll, I'll come to you as well Shane I, I get I get a little buzz it's like a buzz and you, you get hooked and then sometimes you then follow on to the rest of those songs. Like I had that with the Smiths. I was sort of like, I quite like that song. I quite, and it's not just, oh, it's because you, know, you get people, oh, I like Nirvana. What's your favourite song? Smells like Teen Spirit. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. what other songs you listen to? Oh, no, Smells like Teen. But it with me, it's all, yeah, it's, it's, I get that. I get those sort of feelings. It's almost like a little buzz, that connection. Mm. That's how it comes from me then you start listening to the rest of it that's how i experience it yeah that's how i yeah 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 i mean, I mean for me i mean i've got a bit of a weird taste in music anyway i mean there's not many people that actually like this kind of music that i like when i was brought up on like meatloaf and um yeah. and that that kind of ilk of stuff um I mean, my dad used to listen to a lot of like um, Celine Dion and yeah, that kind of that, you know that kind of Enya, you know. Fleetwood Mac, um, yeah, like just a generic kind of typical, suppose typical music that I kind of grew up with. But then also, obviously, as uh, there's a period in my life I was a bit involved with the church and stuff like you know, and um, I used to do a bit of music for them, and and so I was sort of around that kind of stuff. But it wasn't really like gospel; it was more sort mm-hmm. of like Christian rock, I suppose. Like you know, yeah. sort of a bit of electric guitar, decent drummer, that kind of stuff, you know um and uh, so that, i was sort of around that in my sort of like my early teens and then um as i sort of come into my own a bit i started getting involved in like eminem and that kind of stuff but then i kind of meandered my way through into like you know i've been to a like, download festival went through my sort of rocker phase and you know that kind of stuff which they everybody goes through at some point um and i kind of found myself in a situation now where i'm actually really really hugely into my country music and like sort of country rock 
Um, the likes of like Luke Combs, Trace Atkins, you know, uh, Morgan Wallen, uh, Kane Brown, that kind of stuff. But, you know, um, th- these kind of guys. And, and I kind of stumbled across them on YouTube. So in a similar sort of vehicle, what I was saying with regards to, um, you know, sort of splicing in this sort of new music into what he's already listening to, um, I kind of just go hunting on YouTube and like, you know, you got like suggested plays, you know, suggested yeah, videos yeah, yeah. or, you know, I literally start going through them. And that's how I find my music. And I find I found doing that. I found people like Tyler Childhoods. Um, what's the most recent one I found? Because of B, I can't remember. Um, but like, um, yeah. So that's that's how I find my music. So yeah, I mean, to answer your question though, I tend to uh, there's it's more just um, that there's been a couple of songs that I've had that really sort of touched me quite quite deep kind of thing like you know really get me in my heart because a lot of country music talk about a lot of stuff that i believe in you know um and talking about me and um you know i find that for me it's um the, the, those songs that talk about my beliefs are the ones that sort of really sort of grab me um i mean songs that talk about women and and, and drugs and drinking and clubbing and <laughs> shooting people it, it it's just not really my thing whereas like my country music speaks to me one of know? one of my my hair on the back of next songs is actually uh <laughs> is no vaseline by uh by ice cube because this guy left one of the biggest hip-hop groups on the planet in nwa uh didn't like what they were doing and absolutely annihilated them he took on nwa and he destroyed them they never came back from it never obviously traded but i mean it doesn't matter sometimes it doesn't matter what it's about it's it's about how passion for me is just crazy Uh, and this guy came out fighting swinging and he created baseball bats with his with his words and yeah, I think that's I think, I think one one of the ones that's just standing out to me if I just thought about it, if I had a gun to my head, was the most recent one that got me like that, Al, was um The Way I Talk by Morgan Wallen. And that's literally like a song he's just talking about the fact that he's got an accent, he talks slowly, um, but he is who he is. Like you know, take it or leave it, you know. <laughs> and all, um, all, all music is subjective, you know. Yeah. It is. I mean, like Tom, like you, you might like things that your friends or your your family will be like, what, what? But then they'll like things that you don't like as well, and that's the way life is. That is life. That's the essence. Yeah. Of it, isn't it? See, I used to struggle when you go to gigs. Years like my friends were enlightened to a scar, which I like, like real big fish bands, like you found glory, and it, I like them, but they weren't for for me. Yeah. And then I'd get bands like uh, Motorhead playing. You get uh, a Sex Pistols warm-up gig that you wanted to go to, and you, you just couldn't really go because you didn't really have anybody. Yeah, to go with. You know Fun I mean? fact: I've seen Motorhead live twice. Really? Well, I know someone. Yeah, yeah, straight up. I am. Um, in fact, I I went to I think it was the 2010 download when he was there, and it was and Slash and Motorhead had a jam on stage twice. Brilliant. And I was like, and obviously now Lemmy's dead. So like now I'm just like, I'm ne- no one's ever going to be able to see that again. But he's now. not like, though. He's not. He is, but he's not because music is eternal, right? That's that's the thing. That's that's what the Beatles did. Is they wrote a love note to everybody, and then they and they went about them all. Um, yeah. uh, what would your exhibition uh, have, and where would you put it in Shrewsbury if you could get a Beatles exhibition? I would like to do because obviously the anniversary will be coming up when they first played musical December 1962. So that's a couple of years away. But what I wanted to do, um, 
because obviously I've, I've, I have spoken to the manager in the past, not necessarily about the exhibition, was obviously I've been upstairs, I've been into the dressing room. If anyone know, wants to know where the, their dressing room was, it's right at the top. Of, if you look at the musical, the Shoesman Gallery, aren't you? If you look right at the top floor, that was where the dressing room was. And the middle window is where Ringo Starr's pitched in front of and Paul McCartney. Um, but what I would like to do, obviously, where the balcony is in the actual musical, was like to do an exhibition on there because that's an, I think that's still the exhibition space. Yeah. Like mm. as well. And what I'd like to do is obviously cancel because of COVID is interview people, like record people that were there talking and then project, I have like an exhibition of like memorabilia items and that in that space. And obviously the history of them being there, but also projection on the wall, different people, people of Shrewsbury who were there just talking. And it was actually projected in the actual room where they, where they played. Maybe we can help you with that. Mm-hmm. Documenting it. Yeah, that'd be really, really good. I'll, I'll, um, I'll, I'll drop you uh, a few contacts that I know that mm. might be able to help you with that. Um, that'd be really good. Well, look, guys. Um, I know it's just a really short show, um, but I need to eat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but Tom, you're always welcome on the on the biscuit. Um, mm. yeah. Um, and we'd love to, you know, catch up with you about this. I'd love to help you make this. This you got a vision. Uh, and mm. you know, uh, let's take a leaf out of Tim King's book. Uh, yeah. if you want to make this happen, we're going to make it happen, all yeah, right? Definitely, yeah, yeah, Excellent. definitely. Um, we'll get uh, well, okay, so I need to do a couple of shout outs, which is on my board down here. Which is, um, uh, I would like to give a shout out to the parade shops. Um, obviously, we're not there at the moment, we would be though if it wasn't for this COVID nonsense. And so, uh, make sure you, you keep in touch with what's going on at the parade. Um, it's an, an amazing place. Also, I want to give a shout out to Chris Goff from CGR Business Solutions. The only reason we're a CIC is because of him, because he is clever. We are dumb, simple, uh, full stop. And uh, so thank you very much to him. If you've got any, if you, you know, have any problems with your business, you want some business help, go to CGR Business Solutions. Mm. And also, uh, there is going to be an amazing event in December, which is going to be the Carols on the Doorstep, which is going to be on December the 16th and on the 24th. Um, BBC Radio Shropshire are going to be um playing carols over the radio um and you will all be able to hear it and then go on your doorstep and sing together as a town as a county and as a country because this thing is spreading like wildfire across the country and there's a lot of people getting on board now so a bit much like when we used to do the nhs clap type thing there's going to be christmas carols available for everybody to sing which is going to be quite much it always reminds me of the grinch you know when he stole christmas <laughs> and he can still hear him singing carols that's what it reminds me of but that's that sounds amazing um shane you've got anything to add before we get out of here no 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 i just i just wish you all the best time and like you know obviously as always if there's anything we can do is to help then by all means give us a shout and we'll do what we can i think um yeah, yeah. You, you do. You, I think you're onto something, something quite big, and definitely pursue the film thing because I think that all the all that work and dedication and information that you collated together with mixing the memorabilia, I think once it's put into a film and put out there, then that's it. Then isn't it? It's done. Well, we no. don't know what thirty years looks like from that, do we? No, no, no. exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, maybe I we should put um, Tom in touch with Luke. Luke, Alan. Ah. Good show. Good show. Good show. Yeah, we will do. Um, mm. Anyway, look, guys, this has been amazing. 
Um, and uh, we will catch you guys next time. Um, yeah. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Shane. Uh, we'll you, catch Al. you guys next time. Uh, stay classy, Shrewsbury. <laughs> Stealing from Ron Burgundy there. Uh, we'll catch you next time. Take it easy, guys. 